We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 325. Our guest today is a USDF bronze, silver, and gold medalist, and a member of the USEF dressage development program. She has trained and competed close to 50 horses in almost 500 competitions, and has trained several horses that she started as youngsters all the way up to the Grand Prix. Not only does our guest have her own in-person training program, but she also offers a lot of services online. She has masterclasses, she hosts clinics, um, and does lots of events that are really geared around how position influences our riding, whether that is our body position, our aids, our rein length, our where our eyes and our head are looking, so many different factors that really influence our riding and our effectiveness and our communication to our horse. So I thought it would be amazing to have her on to talk a little bit about how she got to where she is today and what she's working on and some of the amazing resources that she has out for any of us. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Amelia Newcomb. Hi, Amelia. Hello. How are you, Bethany? Doing well. How are you? Good. I'm enjoying these longer days and spring coming. Exactly. Oh my gosh. It makes such a big difference, doesn't it? When the sun just sets a little later. <laughs> yeah, totally. When I woke up this morning, I was like, wow, it's already getting light out. I know. Oh, so nice. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and chat with me. I'd love to hear how you first got started in the horse world. Yeah. So I grew up, I started riding when I was 14 and I just loved horses growing up. I never thought that it would be my profession, but I developed a lot of skills with training young horses and dealing with problem horses. So everyone would always give me their unbroke young horse or their difficult horse. Hmm. And that just started as a job. So I worked all through college. When I graduated from college, I was like, well, I have basically a full-time job riding horses and yeah. I love riding. So that's how I got started. Wow. Yeah. I know when you were like 14, didn't your parents buy you a three-year-old? <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably not the best horse for a 14 year old, a green broke three-year-old. Mm. Um, but his name was Geronimo and he taught me a lot because he developed a really bad rearing habit, mm. which was dangerous and a little bit scary. And my passion was dressage, but we ended up taking Geronimo to a natural horsemanship, Western trainer, like going all the way back to the basic sure. groundwork, teaching him pressure and release. And he turned out to be like a fabulous horse, which wow. is exciting because my trainer told me that he was a terrible horse and he was dangerous and we should get rid of him. Sure. So it was cool to be able to turn that situation around. What ended up, I mean, did you ever kind of get to the root of where the rearing came from, why the rearing was happening? It was really just about confusion. Geronimo, mm. it wasn't like he was trying to be bad, but what was happening is that I didn't know what I was doing. I was just learning. I don't think I had the best trainer at the time. And we were trying to teach Geronimo to move laterally, like for a turn on the forehand. Mm -hmm. And 
we were putting pressure with the leg and with the hand and one day he reared and the pressure went away. And Mm -hmm. so he thought, Oh, I know how, I know what they want. I know how to get rid of the pressure Mm -hmm. and he learned to rear. So it, it really wasn't like, it was just, I was giving him the wrong signals and, um, it wasn't like he was being bad or anything. So it was, it was rider air. It was bad training. Well, I I kind of want to talk a little bit because I feel like you have a lot of great things to say about position um, and how position can really influence our riding. Can you kind of explain what correct position looks like to you? Obviously, this varies from discipline to discipline, um, or some may think, but give me your give me your two cents on what you kind of view as correct position. Yeah, that's a really good question. And for me, the biggest thing about rider position is that you want to be balanced in the saddle and you want to make the job easier for your horse to do. Hmm. So none of us want to fall off. None of us want to get hurt. And when you are in the correct position and when you're able to stay balanced in the saddle, then when your horse spooks or spins or bolts, you're not going to fall off. So that's the number one reason is to not get hurt. Right. And then the second thing about position is really being able to connect to your horse's movement and absorb their movement. Because if you're bouncing in the saddle or if you're crooked in the saddle, that's going to be uncomfortable for your horse. And it's going to make it more difficult for your horse to do their job. I'm glad that you brought up different disciplines mm-hmm. because I've done some Western riding. I've done some dressage. I actually did a clinic at a hunter jumper barn two weeks ago in Salt Lake city. Mm-hmm. And so while, while there are slight variations from discipline to discipline in general, it's all about being in balance with your horse and that ear, shoulder, hip, heel alignment mm-hmm. and riding in neutral spine And also I think riding, trying to ride more from your seat and your legs applies to all disciplines. Totally. Definitely. What would you say are some of the most common issues that you see with rider position? Okay. One of the most common, which I also have to admit I have a problem with is looking down. Hmm. And this is, comes from our reliance on visual. Like as humans, we rely so much on our eyesight for everything And so when we ride, we try to look down at our horse instead of feeling what's happening underneath of us. Looking down is a really, really bad problem because for one, it throat, it tips you forward. It, you lose your alignment a little bit, but also it puts a lot of force on your neck. So your head is quite heavy. It's about 14 pounds. But if you look down, it increases the pressure exponentially on your neck. So look, looking down is really, really unhealthy for your neck. It can like in extreme cases, it could cause like a bulge disc in your neck. It can make your shoulders really tense and tight. It's just not a good thing. So, um, looking up is something that we all need to work on and, I'm actually doing a 30 day rider position challenge right now, which is all about helping riders identify a few key things in their position and then working towards getting rid of those bad habits. Cause we all have bad habits in our position and you need that discipline and that dedication and commitment to be like, okay, 30 days, I'm going to focus on looking up 
That's going to be my one main focus. And the great thing about rider position is it's something that you're in control of and you can fix. Mm, Yeah, I love that. And I think I say this all the time on the podcast, but it really does come up a lot. But another reason why it's, you know, just the beauty of this sport is that you can be a part of it for decades and decades. And so doing things like, you know, I am a professional and there's a lot of, you know, I would I would say that pretty much every professional in the industry is also a lifelong learner and there's always things that you can tweak and fix and you never quite you never quite find perfection you know in the sport it's not really possible but there's always things that you can work on and i know for me right now uh, my thing that i'm focusing on is my rein length because i can get lazy my reins can get long and then you f- again another kind of thing that i feel like is often common in a lot of riders but then it really does throw off your balance and your connection and your, it really you know ca- can cause a lot of issues so i love that concept of just kind of focusing on one thing for 30 days and it doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal but in the big picture of your riding, it can make a really big impact. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's funny you bring up short reins. Cause I was, um, with some of my programs, we do video review sessions. So uh-huh. I did like 20 video reviews last night. And so many of them, I was like, shorten your range, shorten your range, shorten your range. And I think people don't want to shorten their reins because they're like, I don't want to pull on my horse and you mm. should ride from your seat and your leg. And that's all true. But when you shorten your reins, and you keep your hands a little more forward, then you can use smaller movements. And like you said, it doesn't mess up your balance because if your hands are like all over the place, then it, it messes up your seat as well. Right. And it's so much more of a consistent light connection instead of like, no connection, so much connection, no, like no connection. And then that, what exactly what you were saying ends up being less clear to the horse. Yeah. Definitely. Um, what would you say are um, maybe some like nuances in the issues you see at different skill levels? Like, for example, like what issues do you see with maybe beginner riders versus more advanced riders? Are those kind of things that you find like reins or, or keeping your eyes up and ahead? Um, is that a common theme with a level or do you kind of just see those things across the board? Yeah. So like you mentioned, as horsemen, working on your position is something that you're always refining, Yep. whether you're just learning how to ride or even like I was at World Cup and I got to interview some of the riders at World Cup and guess what? They're still working on their rider position. Mm -hmm. So of course, when you're beginning, your errors are much more obvious and kind of glaring. I actually, when I first was learning to ride, I was terrible and I fell off all the time (laughs) because my position was bad. So I don't fall off as much anymore, knock on wood, but I'm still working on my position. And so it definitely is something that when you're a beginner rider, it's going to be a lot more obvious, but as you move up the levels, you want your aids and your communication with your horse to become more and more refined. And a big part of that training up your horse is also training up your body and your position. Um, One thing about rider position is that we are all crooked. We have asymmetries in our body because we're either left-handed or Mm right-handed, or we've had injuries in our past, or some of us are just born crooked. 
and our horses are also crooked. And so that's one thing that when you're thinking about your position, you always want to be aware of your asymmetries and working on correcting that. I'm a big believer too in fitness and doing exercises or things out of the saddle to help with not only your asymmetry, but just your general fitness and strength. So that when you get in the saddle, you're really in control of your body and you can communicate um, in a way that is effective for your horse. Mm-hmm. And I actually have a free PDF on rider fitness. So I'll give you that oh, link. Love. Yeah. If you want to share that with your audience, that would be great. Definitely. Um, yeah, I often hear, especially with um, people who work in, you know, like chiropractic or body work in our industry, um, that often they'll see a common theme amongst multiple horses where there is one rider as the common denominator. And so it's, it, I think it's so interesting. And, and you bring up a really good point that like we all have asymmetries. And so just accepting that, but then also just having more body awareness, I think will get you so much further in figuring out what you need to do to feel as symmetrical to your horse as possible. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's kind of the hard part about rider position is that you can't always blame your horse. Like it's not always your horse's fault that they're crooked or they don't want to go forward or they're stiff. Mm -hmm. You have to look at yourself and okay, what am I doing to contribute to that? I did a webinar on rider position and I was like, okay, relationship advice 101 is you have to change first. So, Mm. you know, if you're having a training issue with your horse, you have to look at what are you doing in your body that could be contributing to that in your horse. Right. What do you do with um, the riders that um, you talk to who have had a bad position or like a bad habit for a very long time? Like how do you kind of go about breaking that pattern? Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I'm not going to lie about that because when you have that muscle memory, it can be really hard to overachieve, to Mm -hmm. overcome it. Right. Um, but I think the first one is to be able to see it. So if you can get a photo or video, that's really helpful because sometimes I, when I was teaching that clinic last weekend, I was telling this lady, sit back, sit back. You've got to sit more back. You really need to sit more back. And the next day she came to the lesson, her husband had been videoing and she was like, oh my gosh, I saw the video and mm-hmm. I know what you mean now. Like I'm not sitting back. So when you see it, you believe it. And then just really making that commitment and setting reminders for yourself. That's another thing I'll do. I'll put on my phone, like remind me at 8 a.m. before I get on my horse to sit back. Mm. That helps. Um, Posting like sticky notes, that will help. And then another thing I do when I'm riding is to recalibrate my position. So When you get in the saddle, you know, you check your position, everything's good. As you're going through your ride, that bad habit is going to come up. You know, if your horse spooks or they get a little strong or you're trying to do something difficult, Mm -hmm. your position's going to fall apart. And so you need to then take a moment, maybe even go to the walk, recalibrate your position and then go on again. Sure. So it definitely, it's possible to get rid of bad habits, but it really takes making a commitment, staying focused on it and taking responsibility. It's not your trainer's job 
to fix your position. It's something that you have to decide like, okay, I really, really want to fix this. I'm going to focus on it. I'm going to visualize. I'm going to set reminders. I'm going to do my exercises and you can, you can change it, but it does take that responsibility and that dedication. Right. Let's take a minute and talk a little bit about tack cleaning, because it's not just about having clean tack, right? It's also about the health and well-being of your horse that comes in contact with your tack, and having beautiful, healthy tack that really lasts for a lifetime, because our tack is always quite an investment. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Sterling Essentials, because it's one of my favorite tack cleaning products. It's premium, all-natural essential oil, powered leather cleaner and leather conditioner. And what I really love about it is that there are zero toxins or harsh chemicals, um, counterproductive ingredients, um, so it's just like a really, really great, purely vegetarian product. Um, beeswax, food grade ingredients, plant-based oils, and premium essential oils. So not only does it smell amazing, but you can really enjoy the feel of really clean leather without all the sticky leftover cleaning product residue, soap scum, white film, glycerin, or the slipperiness or oiliness that's often caused by other cleaners and conditioners. So for more information, visit their website at sterling-essentials.com. That's S-T-E-R-L-I-N-G-essentials.com. And I also have a promo code if you want to give it a try. So use the discount code Bethany, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y, for 30% off. This does not include bundles and terms apply, so you can see their policies on their website for more information. But I think it's a great opportunity to give some of their products a try. So again, that is Sterling Essentials. Aside from position, um, I feel like you put an emphasis on effectively communicating with your horses, which is so important. Um, what are some other common issues that you see in riding that, you know, negatively affect our ability to communicate with our horses? Yeah, that's, that's a good one. And I think communication with horses is something that it's the beauty of riding. Mm -hmm. It's why we love it. But it's also really hard because you can't communicate with words. Like you can't have a, a vocal conversation. Right. I mean, you can talk to them. They'll hear your tone of voice, but you can't explain something to them in words. So you have to explain things to them through feel, through pressure and through release. And that's something that, you know, is tricky. And like going back to my story about Geronimo, Sometimes horses get labeled as bad or naughty or like intentionally not doing what you want. And I don't really believe that horses, I believe are very honest and genuine creatures. Mm -hmm. So if they're not doing what you want them to do, it's because they don't understand it. And you have to find a way to break it down into more simple things and then step by step, teach them what you want. The basic premise of how we communicate and how horses learn is pressure and release. So you put pressure on, you give an aid, you wait for the reaction that you want, and then you have to release the pressure. And sometimes we forget the importance of the release of the aid and we just put too much pressure on the horses and then they explode or do something bad because they don't understand how to get the pressure to go away. 
Mm-hmm. Something that I feel like you've often shared on your social channels is a, co- a quote from Charlotte who has said short reigns win gold medals. Um, I'd love for you to explain a little bit more about this concept and how riders really should be paying attention to their rain length. Yeah. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, um, but basically when you are riding the majority of your calories and your age should be going to your seat and your legs. Mm -hmm. Like that's really mostly how you want to be cueing your horse. Right. And then when you, your reins are a little bit shorter, it allows you to really just have your hands forward and in front. I always tell my students, imagine like you're pushing a shopping cart in front of you. So you really want to feel like you're riding your horse from back to front, like Mm -hmm. from your leg to your hands, as opposed to bringing your hands back on top of you. And it is like, so this is the funny thing. People always want to talk about their hands and their legs, or I mean their hands, but they really need to focus more on their seat and their legs. Mm. So you should be thinking more about your seat and your legs and less about your hands. Definitely. But I think, which I think sometimes the idea of having short reins and like we had talked about before gets misconstrued because it doesn't mean that you have a death grip on your horse's mouth. It means that you're able to keep a still consistent feel at the corners of your horse's mouth and focus more on your seat and your leg. So I think, yeah, I love that. I love that quote, but I appreciate the explanation because I think it could often get misinterpreted as you know, riding off of your hand and, and, and the connection through the reins. Yeah, that's a good point. You don't want to have short reins and a death grip. <laughs> not great. Not great. Um, so I feel like this question is a, a question that you asked on your Instagram and I'm super curious to know your answer. What is something in your riding you never thought that you would master? That's a good question. I mean, honestly, I think riding in general, I definitely, when I first started out, I was not talented at all. I was really a terrible rider. I fell off all the time. And the other kids my age that I was riding with, they were like advancing so much faster and riding different horses and cantering and doing bareback. And it was like hard on my confidence. I I was afraid and I you know, I was like kind of overweight and top heavy and I just couldn't figure out what to do with my body. And I'm not really sure why I kept riding other than that. I think I really love horses and I love doing things that are challenging, but it's important for everyone to remember that no one is born knowing how to ride. It's something that we all have to learn and we're all at different stages along our journey. Some of us are just starting out learning to ride. Some of us are competing at the, at the upper levels, but it's important that we're all supportive of one another because it's hard. Definitely. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is an area of the industry that you're passionate about that you feel like the rest of the horse world either just doesn't know a lot about, or doesn't talk that much about? This is good. So I actually have two. I just thought of another one. The first one is groundwork. I'm Mm -hmm. a huge fan of groundwork because A lot of times if you're having trouble teaching your horse something under saddle, like especially bending or lateral work or anything that relates to suppleness or connection, it can be a lot more effective to get off 
and teach it from the ground. And you can explain it better to your horse without getting in a fight and having so much pressure, like going back to the Geronimo story. If I had taught him how to move laterally and do a turn on the forehand from the ground first, he wouldn't have had the rearing issue that he developed under saddle. Hmm. And then the second thing that I'm really passionate about in the horse industry is just making it more inclusive. And like I said before, I think it's really important that we are supportive of one another and not so exclusionary based on like, oh, you do a different discipline or you have a different breed or you don't have the right horse. I really think it's important that at a very basic level, we all love to ride. We all love our horses and we want to improve and do right by our horses. And so my motto is dressage for all, but really it could be riding for all, which is that I want to help as many people as possible all over the world to just learn to love their riding and to love their horses and also to develop a community of riders where we're supporting one another and encouraging one another and really staying positive and educating. I think that's really important to me. Definitely. I think that that is such a great point and such a good reminder for the industry. I want to go back to the groundwork because coming from a hunter jumper background, we don't often do a lot of groundwork. I give dressage riders and, um, you know, other disciplines that involve groundwork so much props. I mean, especially I I'm so bummed. I didn't see you in person. I was also at world cup finals with FEI, um, but I didn't get to see you, but I, um, uh, I just love watching top level dressage because you think back to the point or especially um, riders who have, you know, completely started that horse from the beginning and just thinking through all of the groundwork that got their, you know, maneuvers to where they are today. And um, so for someone who doesn't have a background in a lot of groundwork, myself included, it can be daunting to figure out, okay, do I just like push the horse over? Do I like, what do I use? What do I do? Do I give them a treat after what for a little bit of like groundwork for dummies groundwork 101? What would you say? Like, let's say you're trying to focus on um, your horse's body position through a leg yield. What, what would you kind of like walk someone through and how they could help their horse understand what, what you're trying to communicate for like, let's say a leg yield. Yeah, definitely. So groundwork is a skill and Mm -hmm. it's something that, like you said, if you haven't done it, it can feel really overwhelming. And I remember when I first was learning how to do groundwork, I was like, I felt like I'd never been around a horse before. Like I would get dizzy and I didn't know how to apply the aids. But one thing that's really important to know is that if you have a horse and you ride, you do groundwork. So Everything from just leading your horse. That's where I start with is Mm. next time when you're leading your horse to get them ready, just practice. When you stop, your horse should stop. Mm -hmm. If you back up, your horse should back up. If you go forward, your horse should go forward. That's a very simple thing, but um, it's really important for safety because horses are big. And so if they think that they can jump on top of you or shove you out of the way, it's really, really dangerous. And people, they don't pay enough attention to basic ground manners until it's too late, like until they go to the horse show and their horse is completely out of control or until they go to trailer load their horse and they can't get their horse in the trailer. So 
every day when I'm just working around my horse, I'm checking in with, are they paying attention? Are they respectful of my space and making corrections as needed? Another big pet peeve of mine is bridling my horses. Mm -hmm. So I always like them to drop their head down because there's no reason they shouldn't. They put their head down to eat. So it's not like they can't put their head down. Sure. Yeah. And also it helps your horse to relax when you can get them to drop their head down. It helps them to relax and be a little bit more submissive to you. So that's another form of groundwork, which carries over to under saddle because when we're riding, we want to be able to get our horses to stretch down and release their pull. Um, so that's like two just really simple exercises that mm-hmm. you can easily just incorporate into your routine. Doesn't take any more time. Then as far as the leg yield, what you have to get to be able to do is um, put the reins over, like once your horse is all tacked up, get the reins over your horse's head and be able to walk next to your horse and take a little contact and mm. get your horse to accept the bit, basically to go round while you're walking beside your horse. And then once you have that, then you can start applying the aids for the leg yield. So it's the same aids. Obviously you don't have a leg. So a lot of times I'll carry a little crop with me to just give my um, horse a little tap on the rump and you want them round and moving over, but it's like, it kind of goes in stages and actually- I have a whole groundwork masterclass where I teach you all the steps to lead up to that. Um, But just start with some simple stuff and start kind of testing that your horse is respecting you and listening to you on the ground. That's the best place to start. I love that. Well, Amelia, thank you so much for taking the time and sharing your story and sharing your knowledge. Um, I'm excited to take a look at the challenge you have going on right now. I'll make sure to include it in the website um, so that other people can take a look also. But thank you again. And I wish you all the best. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. All right, that is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much and I will talk to you next week.